0: Uh no more about Jalko. When the fourth
1: Don't you call in the More importantly Ah Well here we are again, Matthew, July of 2021. Oh my god, we've made it. We Day survived. Best.
0: Here we are to talk about a summer vacation to
1: Disneyland. It's perfect timing because it is summer. School is out. The kids are on the streets and hanging out down at the soda fountain, drinking their phosphates and smoking their jazz cigarettes. And it's just the perfect time. It is summer, Florida weather. It's in the low 100s. Um, Humidity is about the equivalent of, as I've quoted Dana Gould before, it's the equivalent of opening up a dishwasher mid-cycle and stepping inside of it. Yeah, it's like you stepped into somebody's mouth. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I wish those were exaggerations, and Mm -mm. they just are not. People do not understand how oppressive the heat and particularly the humidity is here. But this is TV Talkaholics episode 20, Matthew. Oh, my God, we've done 20 of these pieces of shit. Oh my God. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, super valuable entertainment m- machine oh, okay. uh, lo- loaded, jam-packed, uh, value-added, upcharge Patreons. Um, anyway, Tutti fruities, we are thrilled and delighted to be bringing you yet another television special that is Facts of Life adjacent Disneyland's Summer Vacation Party from 1986, that's a very special year for me, that is the year I graduated high school. If I lived in California, I might've been at this party, Matthew.
0: Oh my God, David. Because just like Disney always has their finger on the pulse of what teen America (laughs) is interested in, We here at Talkaholics also have our finger on the pulse of what anyone over the age of 40 um, who has a slight penchant for nostalgia uh, might enjoy. And this is uh, sadly not one of those things. Because, (laughs) David, you would have been there because this was a grad night. Basically, mm-hmm. it was they, they filmed a grad night. Now, should we explain what grad night is? Because this is why I love to do Disney stuff. Because we watch it through a different lens. T- than, totally, yes. Than the um, average person.
1: Yeah, and you to remind people were uh, in guest services at mm-hmm. the Magic Kingdom for twelve years. Correct.
0: Oh, twelve years of my life, David. <laughs> and that is why I look eighty when I'm really only twenty two. <laughs> But yes, tell
1: everybody what what grad night is and, and the history of it, including its demise and decline.
0: Oh, I don't know really that much about it, other than like it started in, I think, the the 50s or 60s at Disneyland. And grad night is when they invite Disney invites um high school seniors to. A party, an overnight lock-in, what they used to, didn't they used to call it a lock-in or something? Maybe, yeah. That Um, sounds familiar. You're in the Magic Kingdom and it's a huge party with different performances, different stages set up, all for teenagers and for their graduation. And you have to meet certain requirements to get to go. um, And your school brings chaperones that end up just sleeping in... What we call chaperone headquarters overnight. <laughs> um, and one year we offered um, backstage tours to the chaperones, and they were just so happy to have something to do mm-hmm. other than, but um, there was a dress code. Um, I know towards the end, like they had to, it was, it takes like specific um, organization and planning to um, keep schools that are rivals on separate nights. Oh, wow. Um, Because Grad Night is an event, a separate event from your daily admission to the Magic Kingdom. And Disney often does those. And I will tell you this, Grad Night is um, second only in debauchery to another event that we used to host at the Magic Kingdom.
1: (laughs) I know it's coming.
0: (laughs) Called Night of Joy, David. (laughs) Which is a
1: celebration of Christian pop music, is it not? Oh, it is a celebration
0: of awful, horrible human beings (laughs) screaming at you with what would Jesus do t-shirts on Hmm. while they scream at you and call you a fucking asshole and spit on you because they ordered their tickets wrong or they got the wrong night for Night of Joy. And they wanted to be here on the night when Jars of Clay performed. But here they are on a night when Michael W. Smith is here and you're the fucking cocksucker that is... An, oh, my God. I've never been treated so horribly by people than on Night of Joy. What? And it's the and, cl- and the, again the irony they would be wearing what would jesus do t-shirts and screaming at you but on nights of joy we would find um kids in corners doing drugs um we found more used condoms in the magic <laughs> kingdom after a night of joy than any other event um more booze snuck into the magic kingdom Mm -hmm. um than any grad night we ever had and people are like oh grad night must be horrible no night of joy is worse but anyways this was a grad night david yes
1: (laughs) (laughs) but they did have to pay right so is grad night or night of joy grad night yeah you paid yeah yeah or you'd fundraise to do it it like a band trip or something same thing okay And that's it. The term we use in the biz is a hard ticket event, meaning uh, not the daily operations of the park. Sometimes the park hours will be limited. They'll close at seven and uh, cart out the people paying the regular admission. And then basically, you know, they shut the gates and then as the people paying for the hard ticket event come in, they get a wristband and throughout the night, if you don't have a wristband, it's like, yeah, you were here at 8 a.m. thinking you could stick around for the villains event and get some pictures with Cruella. Not gonna happen. Oh, 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 Nope, if we're not taking your money, you're not here, nope.
0: The fun thing about grad night is though, that um, Disney being Disney, we're not paying for people who are currently popular to perform. <laughs> <laughs> you would get the people that were about to be popular, yes, or the people that were popular five years ago, yeah. So, like in 1995, let's say, you would get NSYNC, mm-hmm. which was just about to blow up. So there are people out there that are like, "Oh yeah, NSYNC performed at my my grad night," but it was before they were N fucking Sync, yeah. And then on the, another stage set up in Tomorrowland would be mm, Vanilla Ice, <laughs> who hadn't been popular for five years. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it was always like fun to like for people in Florida to be like, oh, who, you always knew how old people were when they were like, who performed at your grad night? I used to joke um, this guy worked with in Guest Relations, I used to joke him that um, Mary Martin performed at his grad night. <laughs>
1: yeah it was right before she blew up it was yeah uh... (laughs)
0: Yeah. um but so yeah grad nights are always a delight and this one was no different than any grad night like i was laughing every time they introduced a new act i was like yep that that tracks
1: yep (laughs) yes
0: they would have this motherfucker here okay Yeah, Yeah,
1: that's one of, I think, the most joyful things about this special is the mixed bag that they present us of. There are so many WTFs in here, even by 1986 standards, where you're like, what, really? And it's so funny. It's because it's 86. If this were 1976, where on a variety show, you would see Sonny and Cher, Milton Berle, Ken Berry, and Donnie and Marie, and the Jackson Five, you know what I mean? You could yes. see, uh, you know, with and, and Buddy Hackett or, you know, Dean Martin might pop in. You know, the 70s was really the time of that overlap of old and new, of, of, of the vastly changing landscape of, of pop culture entertainment with this. Um, for for those of you who saw the post where I announced that this is what we're going to do, I posted a picture of the TV Guide ad, and it lists all of the acts on the TV, like all of them. And you can, I mean, just by reading them, I'm sure some of you uh, were scratching your head. Um, But before we get to that wonderful list, Matthew, will you allow me to do what I love to do, please? Please. And bore you to tears with all of the stuff around the show.
0: I wish you would.
1: (laughs) I only looked up the director. Director was Marty Passetta, P-A-S-E-T-T-A. He directed a lot of variety shows and award shows in the late 60s and in the 70s and the 80s. And for me personally, as a musical theater person, uh, the one credit that stuck out to me was he directed the TV version of Stephen Sondheim's Pacific Overtures.
0: Oh, Jesus.
1: Which was 1976. That's the Sondheim musical about the colonization of Japan. And it was filmed for Japanese television. It wasn't even really released here. Uh, nowadays, you can get it on YouTube. But uh, like most TV specials, you see that there's the director of the stage show, but then you need the TV director to be the person setting up the angles and cutting from shot to shot. So uh, that's what he did. Um, I didn't look up the writers, but I Uh, I I should say, I did look up the writers, but I didn't write anything down. They just had previous joke writing variety show type of experience. And um, yeah, how's about we turn back the clock to May 23rd of 1986. It's a Friday night. I'm a senior in high school, so I'm home watching TV. Anyway. um, Did
0: you watch this when it originally aired?
1: I don't believe I did. It doesn't ring a bell. No. Uh, So uh, this night of television, this was on NBC. It obviously, because all four of its stars were on NBC sitcoms. um, And NBC at the time owned the Wonderful World of Disney franchise still. That was just coming to an end. And uh, I think there was one more incarnation of just Disney or Walt Disney before ABC Full on bought it out and took it over. So this ran from 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. It's a it was a two hour block with commercials. Uh, the video on YouTube runs only an hour thirty six. Thank God. And then at 10 p.m. they showed a rerun of Miami Vice because we're we're pretty much at the end of the season into the summer. You know we get a lot, a lot of reruns. Opposite this on ABC we had repeats of Webster and Mr. Belvedere. <laughs> And then at 9 p.m., there was a 1986, uh, so a new TV movie called Long Time Gone. And listen to this. When his 11-year-old son comes to live with him, a mob-involved drifter takes new interest in his career as a private detective. Starring Paul Lamatt, or Lamatt, who was in American Graffiti and Melvin and Howard, and uh, one of my favorite celebrity names to say, Will Wheaton. Oh, little well. And that movie, which sounds like a slog and a great big old bore, um, it was written and produced by Glenn Gordon Karen, who clearly cut himself a deal to write and produce a TV movie the previous year when a little show called Moonlighting that he created was a was an unexpected breakout hit. And then on CBS, because we still didn't have Fox yet, CBS was a special called "Teenage America: The Glory Years," and it's really weird that this was running opposite this teen high school grad event. But it's a, um, it's like a retrospective of teenagers in entertainment. So it covers. Uh, Judy Garland James Dean. They show the telephone hour from Bye Bye Birdie, but then it also shows Sean Penn in Fast Times at Ridgemont High and Anthony Michael Hall in 16 Candles. It's hosted by John Ritter sitting in a soda fountain. And it's like, yeah, because the kids are today hanging out at the soda fountain. Um, But yeah, that was an hour special from eight to nine. And then at nine o'clock was the network television premiere. Of All
0: the right moves. Mm. Tom Cruise movie. Top Gun was released the week before this aired. Oh, really? Yeah.
1: Yeah. So he was already basically famous. He was that that hot new kid. And uh, yeah, so that's what else was going on. So um, I think if I was given stuff to pick, I probably might have watched the Teenage America, The Glory Years.
0: Well, they kind of covered some of that in this. So, I mean, they definitely, I mean, they had to have a point to the hosts. And while it was difficult to find a point for the hosts, um, (laughs) because they just threw them in the middle of these Fucking crowds and <laughs> just had them shouting to each other, and you could tell they couldn't hear each other, and you could tell they were like, Is she done with her lie? What what are you gonna do, Kim? What did she say her lie? I I, I gotta go find my future husband, boy George. <laughs> oh Jesus and uh, so oh god it just oh
1: bless you know. yes
0: so they My do future. go through the the whole point of this is they go through like i guess like they don't even i don't know they just the whole point is like they say like well grad night started in the 60s and these are the people that were popular then they were doing the twist and that's why chubby checker is here mm. you know but it's just such a flimsy why I don't know why they didn't just be like, hey, everybody, this is an advertisement for our grad nights, and <laughs> this is what we you can do at our at grad nights at Disneyland. Tell your school you want to come to grad night. Like, because we would get people from all over the country, like like oh yeah, schools from Indiana would get on a bus and <sighs> can you imagine anything worse? <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, and the fact that they
1: needed four hosts, the fact that we get Mindy Cohn and Kim Fields, yay, Tootie and Natalie. Uh, so, and, and they introduce them. You'll notice they say, Mindy Cohn and Kim Fields from The Facts of Life, yeah. from The Cosby Show, Malcolm Jamal Warner, and from Family Ties, Scott Valentine. Yeah, And okay, three of these things belong together. Scott Valentine, bless his heart, he was fabulous on Family Ties as Nick, the sort of rocker dude, dumb as a post boyfriend to Mallory, to Justine Bateman. And they were trying to spin him off into his own show. The network liked him. He did register. But uh, putting him in this position where, you know, Nick, literally his lines were, hey, yeah, uh uh-huh. Like he, he was
0: like a Neanderthal. They tried to put, and that was when they changed the whole character of Mallory into an idiot. Yes, Just remember, suddenly Mallory was like borderline special needs, like could barely put a <laughs> sentence together. But you may remember Scott Valentine also from um, his appearance in Playgirl magazine. Did he go full frontal, full Monty? I don't know. I was too young to buy Playgirl at the time, David. Uh, I feel
1: like I looked that up and I think that there's no full frontal in there because uh, Ken Reed had uh, Scott Valentine on TV Guidance Counselor and it was a great interview. He is so nice and so cool and has got such a, a good clear head about being a celebrity, you know, like, like compared to the way David Cassidy was when David Cassidy was in his fifties. Uh, that sort of a thing where, um, no, Scott Valentine is cool. He's, he's good people in our book. And I mean, if he's Ken Reed's friend, then technically he's our close personal friend too, isn't he, Matthew?
0: Yeah, like, like degrees of separation. Yeah.
1: yeah, but something tells me, there, there's this is a familiar, I feel like I did Google Scott Valentine naked and I didn't get anything but some shirtless tiger beat pics that he took. I don't even what? think we have like the Lyle Wagoner thing where he's naked, but you don't see anything. I don't think he even has any where he, he doesn't have his pants on.
0: Well, I mean, and let's just point out my big thing here, David, that I will be pointing out throughout this this um, this discussion is how old people are. <laughs> I looked up every single person's age that appears on this screen. Um Scott Valentine is 28. <gasps> oh shit. So, oh. I mean, wow. I'm not saying I'm not saying I wouldn't, you know, blow him behind the Matterhorn. You know? <laughs> Uh, I'm just blow, Blowing out.
1: behind the Matterhorn. Mm-hmm. That's that sounds like a great, the a great early Neil Simon play that never got produced. But uh, wow, um, I did look up some ages too, particularly the acts of. We we don't want to be ageist on this podcast, you know. We we don't like to be surface or judgmental or looksist ever. Who does? But um, the looking at the acts of yesteryear, let's say. I was curious in a couple of instances, like, okay, so how old is Chubby Checker here? Because, you know, these were people who literally invented rock and roll. Like Chubby Checker is a legend. Yeah. And it's like, so he did that in the 50s, but was he 18 when he did it? Or was he 30 when he did it? And turns out he was closer to 18 than 30. Yep.
0: You learn I don't that, think like, at the and when I went to the Motown Museum like it really hits you how young mm. these kids were that created Motown and like Diana Ross was like 17 when she yeah. first started singing and you're like oh my god like you're being in, in just being in the Motown house and you're like standing in the same room where all these people like and you're like not only were they creating such amazing stuff they were children yes. <laughs> Diana Ross was a child mm-hmm. when she was doing this. So. Yes, but not on this show because fucking Chubby Checker was forty five. Forty five, which is not that old. I don't think no, it's. But, yeah, I mean,
1: you know, musical artists in their forties appealing to kids—that wasn't a big thing in the eighties. That was
0: well, definitely... you wouldn't know it by this show because. <laughs> I think the youngest person that performed at this was Boy George, who was 24. Yeah, at the time. And so. again, to
1: think he was—he was kind of at the height of his fame, wasn't he? Oh, yeah. Or was he oh, about yeah. to? Yeah.
0: Nope. That year, '86 was the year um, after *Karma Chameleon*. Um, *Karma Chameleon* and yeah. um,
1: *Do You Really yeah. Want to Hurt Me*? He was that fucking famous mm-hmm. internationally at 24. And, and you wonder why you know people do get in, into drugs and get into alcohol and stuff. It's like, I can't imagine. I couldn't imagine myself, and I was a pretty grounded 24-year-old. I don't know how I would navigate yeah. suddenly just being in this insane public scrutiny. Oof, it's, it's crazy. I, like, like we've said many times, I have no desire to be
0: famous. I just wanna be rich. And I Ugh. will tell you right now, I am not an 80s music person, David, at all. So, like, I, I mean, I mean, I know names and everything, but if you were like, name a song by Adam Ant, we would be here all day. Yeah. Um, an Oingo Boingo song, once you tell me one, I'd be like, oh, yeah, I know that song. I didn't know it was by Oingo Boingo, though. Yeah. So...
1: I'm probably a little bit better than you, but not by much. As far as I had to Google a lot of these songs, a lot of these acts. Yeah. And I had to, I Shazammed a lot of them. Because I'm like, well, Shazam is going to recognize these. Because 90% of them are the actual studio recordings that the artists are lip syncing. Yeah. So it recognized them instantly. But yeah. Now, I watched this with Steve Miller, my best friend, who is a a freak for 80s music. So he knew everything. It was, yeah. yeah. But, but play him Partridge Family, and he gets a little, uh, which is hilarious, I think. Uh, and leave us not forget, Matthew, that mm-hmm. peppered in between our musical acts and our hysterical banter between our four hosts are, I think, probably the most 1986 roster of stand-up comics you could assemble like yeah. literally they were the top of the heap paul rodriguez jay leno jerry seinfeld gary shandling
0: yeah top stand-up comedians but i don't know why you would think like an eight 17 or 18 year old would be interested in what they have to say I because it's just an uncomfortable they all do a solid five yeah and it's just it's uncomfortable watching like gary shandling does a bit about does a bit about um t- learning how to drive he's 37. yeah <laughs> <laughs> and And again, this is Gary Shandling
1: and Jay Leno. This is right at the time when Joan Rivers is about to jump ship from the Tonight Show. And the big thing was who was gonna be the next standing uh, substitute host for Johnny Carson and likely ascend the throne when Johnny retires. Uh, so and it was like Jay Leno and Gary Shandling were both the favorites. Of course, Jay got it. But yeah, these are the guys who were not old comics, but they were on at 1130 at night on a show that your parents watched. Yeah. And, um, you know, and, 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 and Gary Shandling in particular, you know, he's got that just sort of deadpan... Low energy thing. And, and he's funny the, the the jokes are funny. They are doing what they do best. But I think you're right. It's it's the wrong room. Very and wrong room.
0: The, and they the, all of them, all of the comedians other than Paul Rodriguez looked miserable. Like they're <laughs> like the, Like we've all been in, in, in shows where it's like, wait, you want me to do stand up in the middle of this fucking yeah. screaming crowd of this, <laughs> you want me to bring the room to a screeching halt? For stand-up like you everybody stop partying stop dancing Jerry Seinfeld's gonna talk for five minutes about oh what is with cafeteria food (laughs) Uh, Matthew really
1: that was an impressive Seinfeld
0: no it wasn't it was a 1980s stand-up comedian it's it that's Uh,
1: Jerry Seinfeld that's what everyone is doing when everyone is doing the impression of the the bad stand-up comic but no, no, you're right. You're totally right. That the thing is though, they're used to it. Stand up comics forever have been the opening act for, you know, rock bands where it's like, yeah, I know you're excited for Def Leppard to come out, but I'm first going to talk to you about why do all shop teachers have a missing finger? What's that about? (laughs) And I don't claim to do a good Gary Shandling. It's just who does. He's (laughs) really, um, So the first act, David, you want to talk about the first act? The first act, well, before the first act, we have our four hosts driving a Jeep, an open air Jeep down Main Street, USA, through a
0: mob of children. Holy uh, shit. Like literally a mob, like there's, and again, we watch this through different lens, this is not how that would be filmed today. No
1: at all. Not safe. No. <laughs> it,
0: it was literally like they could not have crammed one more person on that street and then they were gonna drive a car through it. it yeah. Just blow, blew me away how many fucking people were crammed onto that street. Yeah. So. And there's jokes of, I don't, you know, let's go off and go see the first act.
1: And I think Scott is driving and he's like, Hey, I just want to find a parking spot.
0: (laughs) Mm. But the first act is who Matthew? Oh my God. My favorite group of the (laughs) eighties. It's the Pointer sisters. Yes. And they had to go first because Anita is clearly so fucked up. (laughs) that she can barely stand up. Oh, I didn't notice that was she. Is there a I I don't know their
1: history. Is there a pointer sister who had issues? (laughs)
0: Um, My friend was a tour guide for one of the pointer sisters because none of these people that performed have not appeared at the Epcot um, Summer Festival. Mm-hmm. by the way. So we're still using these motherfuckers. Um, <laughs> but the Pointer Sisters have appeared, and I think it's not really the Pointer Sisters anymore, but one of them, they had to break down her door at the Contemporary because she was passed out um, in her room when it was Damn. showtime. So, um. Wow. <laughs>
1: well, they're performing on um, this stage... There, there are multiple stages, as you said, with Grad Night. There's a stage in front of uh, Sleeping Beauty's Castle. There's a stage in front of the train station, I guess, at the park entrance. I think that's where we may have started here. And then there's also a stage in front of It's a
0: Small World, which is f- Fantasyland? Yes. It's fantastic. Also a stage at the Autopia in Tomorrowland. Oh, So there were four stages Mm -hmm. in this. Oh, okay. I didn't,
1: I didn't pick up on the fourth. I can't tell the stage in front of the, uh, the castle, of course, they show wide shots with the castle and it's got the triangular shapes that are outlined with uh, fluorescent long neon lights And uh, the stage in front of It's a Small World is the one with all the the boxes with the circles in it that has all the the cage dancers everywhere. And I guess we can talk about, in general, all of the acts. There are, in many cases, theme park dancers who are costumed. Sometimes they're clearly choreographed and doing a choreographed bit to support the talent. Sometimes it's, okay, you stand there and you bop. and. It's a 60s. This is the fifth dimension. So you're going to do do some 60s stuff. You're going to be dressed like one of the kids from
0: a beach party movie. I wanted to talk to them. I wanted to find, because oh. like the kids, they were basically the kids to the kingdom. That totally. was the, the group. And totally. the kids of the kingdom was just a, a group of singer dancer kids that performed in front of the castle. I don't know if they had those technically at Disneyland, but um, Magic Kingdom has always had the kids of the kingdom, mm-hmm. and which were all... Oh in their thirties. That was always the joke. <laughs> that was always the joke, the quote unquote kids of the kingdom. Um, but I wanted to talk to them cause I mean, honestly, David, this had to be a great time in their life. Like oh, they God, were yes. the stars of Disneyland and Disneyland is different than Walt Disney world because Disneyland can afford to hire only beautiful, talented people because they're in California in close to LA. Mm-hmm. All these people, Want to be movie stars and think they're going to be discovered as a jungle cruise skipper? So you get even a fucking jungle cruise skipper that looks like fucking Tom Cruise. Whereas (laughs) here, we, I mean, it's Florida for Christ's sake. Yeah. So you get you get you and me. Yeah. (laughs) You get people that look like they live in Florida, for Christ's sake. And these people are not kidding themselves that they're ever going to be discovered at the fucking Main Street confectionery. You know what I mean? <laughs> but Disneyland, on the other hand, does have that, especially in 1986, had that. But um, so. Yeah, I wanted to talk to them because it's like this had to be like a great time in their life Like they yeah. were young, they were dancing professionally And I just want to know like, you know, where their careers went And like how many of them ended up on Broadway How many of them are just like, oh, I was a ba- I was in a chorus line the movie You know what I mean? Yeah. Like as a background dancer, things yeah. like that I, I was in Captain
1: EO Right,
0: exactly <laughs>
1: Yes. So they sing Jump, which is one of the Pointer Sisters rock. I get it. I'm, I'm with you there. I fucking love their stuff. Yeah. I lo- I'm so excited and I just can't hide it. Um, but Jump is the song that they perform here. And this is another thing we see throughout the entire special is the teens are all dancing. They're all out there. So of course it's a dance party. Cut two shots of the teens. Uh, I'm sure none of them signed a release. It was just a, if you're in the park, we're going to film you yeah. and you're okay with it. But periodically there are characters, there are animated Disney characters in among the teens, just bopping around. And it is so jarring when <laughs> you see Uh, oh it's the pointer sisters oh we just watched our facts of life oh chip and dale and tigger are dancing with the high school kids to jump to the pointer sisters and and that is a
0: thing at grad night that that is a thing the characters just go out and dance with people they used to anyway
1: yeah Um, because grad night does not happen anymore right you know what? I have no idea. I don't think it does. I don't think it. I think it still happens at Universal. I think Disney finally put the kibosh on it. Same with Night of Night of Joy, because, like you said, there was just too much unsavory shit going on where the guests were just out of control. Yeah. And Disney was just like, "We're we're done. We have we have other revenue streams and other ways to take people by the ankles and shake them till all the money falls out of their pockets."
0: Yeah. Uh, I I think it ended up being that like if we don't close the park at seven o'clock and reopen it for a a special event, we can make more money by keeping the guests that have been here all day in the park. And because with grad night restaurants close, nobody's buying merch. Mm -hmm. And if they leave the park open for guests, restaurants stay open. Merchandise is still being sold. And yeah, they, you know, they can leave their little carts open and um sell crap and make more money
1: yeah and they don't have to hire the fifth dimension right or shell out the fucking payday that you know brenda lee got for this okay i
0: can't wait till <laughs> we get to her I'm so with you too i'm like brenda lee brenda we have so yeah. much talk about but so, yeah brenda lee's the one thing, um, we watch Jump. Kanga and Tigger from Winnie the Pooh dance around. Gary Shanling comes and does his five minutes, his solid five. Yep. Then they talk about the 60s and how what was like in the twist. And that brings out Chubby Checker, David. Yes. Oh, and can I pause that as you yes. say they're talking about the
1: music of the 50s and all that at the very beginning when they come in on their Jeep, it's like, hey, it's summertime, no more finals, no more studying, no more cramming, no more school. And now we're gonna sit here and force you to sit through clips of 1950s teenagers as we tell you and teach you about the pop culture of yesteryear. So suddenly we're realizing this is what a lot of the interstitial clips are with the four hosts is that it's them. And then we cut away to these montages of clips that somebody had to curate and find and edit uh, to put together where at one point they're talking about hair. Don't they go into whole thing about hair? And isn't that right before Boy George?
0: Yeah.
1: And he he has short hair. It's like he doesn't have his cornrows. He's actually got short hair. It's like, well, fuck. (laughs) But yeah, so it's like, no more learning, no more school. But here's shit we're going to try to teach you and force on you. So thanks, guys. Appreciate it.
0: But yeah, Chubby Checker, how old did you say he was? 45 at the age of filming. And I saw him perform at Epcot um in the late 90s where he mm-hmm. stopped the show and yelled at a woman because she was filming him <gasps> stopped wow. performing stopped the show yelled at this woman because um he he didn't want to be filmed by a guest in a Disney theme park <laughs> <laughs> wow and that's he, like he was like he was like see people people and he was like yelling at her like saying that she was gonna try to make money off of it like it got real uncomfortable like he almost like walked off the stage like but he wasn't gonna walk off he was gonna win this fight and
1: (laughs) wow
0: he he was like i'm not performing up here for you to make money off of me and she was like, is he joking? Like at first you could tell she thought he was kidding. And then she was like, "Like it got real ugly. So Chubby Checker, real sweet guy. <laughs> oh no.
1: And, and here I was about to sing his praises because unlike the Pointer sisters, he is singing live. And uh, he's still got the voice and he's crushing it with this medley of songs from the 50s from his era uh of course the twist being the big one that was his but he's singing good golly miss molly and
0: hound dog and shake rattle and roll which that were even- medley is just like watching carol channing perform it is the he still does that exact medley like no. it's yeah it's part of chubby checker's act is that fucking it's like the merman medley like mm-hmm. people um People who are into Broadway music know The Merman Medley It's a 15 minute fucking medley That Merman sings of all of her fucking songs Mm -hmm. If you want to find it Watch the 1972 Tony Awards Where they gave her a special Tony Award And stopped the fucking show For a 17 minute Ethel Merman concert Damn (laughs) Anyway
1: But if anybody had earned it I mean honestly If anybody had earned it
0: Yeah Nobody's complaining about it But it's a (laughs) Yeah She ended up doing that medley for the rest of her life.
1: (laughs) But his singing is great. His energy. He's a great performer. And even though it is one of those like, ooh, chubby checker. So if he's 45 here, literally, he was a teenager in the 50s when he was first on the scene uh, literally reinventing American pop music. Uh, and it's it's kind of mind boggling. And of course you're like, and I know these kids don't appreciate it. I, I wouldn't have, no. but I do know if I were there, I'd have been dancing. It would have, I would have been bopping along to this. I love this. As did the fairy godmother, Cinderella's fairy godmother. And that's an earlier version of the costume where the face is ghoulish. Yeah. I recommend people look it up. They have a just a brief cutaway before the technical director went, nah, cut to something else. <laughs>
0: yeah. For some reason, Disneyland's fairy um, godmother is a fur character, not a face character.
1: Yeah. To this day. But in California, to this day, it's still a... Covered for like, like a, one of the seven dwarfs or that sort of thing. Wow. Face character, meaning you literally see their face like a Peter Pan or a, or a princess. That's, that's the lingo guys. Hope we're not shutting you out with all of our uh, shop talk about work. Then Mindy and Scott are the hosts, and they talk about the old days, girls getting ready and dressing up like an adult, even though they could act like a kid, which is somehow a lead in for Miami Sound Machine.
0: The wonderful Gloria Stefan
1: Before they is, were famous.
0: So again, five, a, a year before they fucking blew up. Mm-hmm. Um, so perfect for grad night. But Gloria Stefan, whom I do love, I met her a couple times. Do you know how fucking tiny she is, David? I've heard. How tall oh, is she? She's got to be, like, at maybe five foot tall. She's just such a little powerhouse of energy. Mm-hmm. And a, I just love her. Oh, she's fan fucking Fantastic.
1: And they don't really give her a lot of screen time during conga. We get the tail end of, come on, check your body, baby, do the conga. No, you
0: can't get all longer. That was something I noticed with this. For some reason, we kept joining the, like, they had set it up. So we were, quote unquote, joining in progress. And we yeah. would get, like, the last couple bars of one song and a full song version of the next song.
1: They probably said, every artist, you're doing two numbers and we likely may cut part of the first one. That was probably their their editing cushion to be able to do that. But yeah, no, you're right. They did, and they did join Conga in progress. And uh, then after that, she goes into Bad Boys. Bad boys, bad boys, boys looking for will be- trouble.
0: That's <laughs> it. <laughs> she was age 29. At this performance, David. Yeah. And I have to say, um, stage presence wise, I believe her best work was still ahead of her. Oh, well, she was, I mean, it was, it wasn't Gloria Stefan and the Miami Sound Machine. It was the Miami Sound Machine. Yeah. She was part of a group.
1: Yeah. She just happened to be the one doing the singing type of thing. Yeah. So she's not, I don't think, you know, pulling out all the stops and firing on all cylinders and it is interesting because I know from seeing clips of her later when she became famous more as a solo artist, it's like, no, no, she's a great performer, not getting a lot of that here. She's kind of, you're right, she's kind of like blending in and yeah. not taking a solo stance here. Um, the, it, the thing that blows my mind is the full orchestras, they got trombone players, they've got the full fucking conga band there, but it is the record. They are lip syncing to the record. And that blows my mind. It's like, why did they even bother to bring the fake orchestra out? Uh, I mean, unless they did do it live and the sound was terrible and they just dubbed in later and hope the tempos matched. But um, anyway, uh, Goofy is dancing in the crowd. It's fun to see Goofy and the big bad wolf yeah. who has a big, long, open snout and this serpentine-like tongue hanging out of his mouth. It was quite shocking and upsetting. <laughs> then we get Kim and Malcolm introducing, by the way, they added a laugh track for their intro here. I don't know if I noticed it much for the rest of it, but it's like, even though they are surrounded by kids and the kids are all like looking in and waving and popping and like, hi, mom. Yeah.
0: It, it's uncomfortable. It really is. Again, we're trying to film these two having a conversation let's give them at least a foot of space. Like they're literally like these kids are hanging on them. They're like bumping into them. True. It's like, it's literally like they're trying to have a conversation in the middle of Times Square New Year's Eve. It's Mm -hmm. like, true. oh God, they're just all on top of each other. But I love that Kim and Theo are talking about Jay Leno and the Tonight Show, you know, well, that's what the kids are talking about nowadays. You know, what are you going to do tonight? Well, I'm going to stay in and watch the Tonight Show because I hear Jonathan Winters is going to be on tonight and he's my favorite. Honest to Christ. <laughs> Ugh. Oh, so they, but the whole point is to set up Jay Leno, who actually, and I'm not a fan at all of Jay mm-hmm. Leno, but he actually does his stuff walking through the crowd and i thought well that takes balls yeah agreed he's going through the crowd holding the microphone up to people and like talking to people and i'm like okay you're gonna do crowd work in a group like this okay respect i get it but like it's all that Oh, what about that lady? What about that lady that, 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 that serves lunch, the lunch lady? Oh, you know her with the, with the and it's like, ugh, do you, Jay? Cause you're 30 fucking six years old.
1: <laughs> but I, I agree with you. And this is the only setup like this where the comic, um, instead of being on the stage and doing crowd work is where he'd point to someone and say, well, like you lady, where are you from sort of a deal? This is where he is doing his routine directly to the camera, to us. Uh, and then as he's walking through, and again, the crowd, sardines, packed up against him. And the only reason he's not bumping into people is they have to make way for the camera to be moving with, with him. And he's just stopping and talking, saying, so what are you going to do after you graduate? Oh, that's a pretty good. Oh. And this one, this one kid, it's like, if he's not drunk, he must be. But he's like, uh, I'm going to play football at Iowa State. He's like got a square top and it's like oh yeah I'm glad you're going to play football I'm pretty sure that's all you can do. Laugh. But uh, I'll give you you you're, you and I are on the same page here. That was a, that was the most dangerous thing in this show. It was interactive and there was a, 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 an energy about it where you're like wow that yeah. was a very different choice to make. I wonder if it was the director or if Jay said, "No, let me do this." I well, you wonder um but yeah he's fine and I, I think he's he's fine i i wouldn't say i'm not a fan i wouldn't say i am a fan he's fine um the one joke of his i always loved is that he hates that when the plane lands everybody applauds he's like if if they crash the plane
0: would you boo <laughs> i don't know why i think that's funny <laughs> i always loved Alan's joke about how um you pay for the excitement of uh roller coaster and she goes next time i'm on a plane that experiences um turbulence i'm just gonna go Um, (laughs) on the airplane um but yeah uh, i just got off of a plane that applauded when it landed because it was a direct flight from fort wayne and oh bless the things you forget about people from fort wayne is that Midwesters love to chat with you they love to talk (laughs) say from fort wayne Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -mm. Mm -mm.
1: I hope you do that in your act Because that is visually very funny I would love to see Carol Act that all out Yeah Yeah
0: um, so, so we um, get suffer through Jay Leno's solid five. Yep, and, and then, then Theo and Scott Valentine do this bit about the '60s because I guess Chubby Checker's setup was the '50s, maybe. Yeah, so now it's the
1: '60s because this sets up the Fifth Dimension because remember that was really their heyday, and the Fifth Dimension. Oh my
0: God! You, you name one song. Somebody said name a song by the Fifth Dimension. I'd be like, Ay. oh, well, there's they did. um uh, Let the
1: sunshine in. They they covered the song from okay. Hair. Okay. So they
0: actually do. Um, so it's their fault that people don't realize what Let the Sunshine is is about. Like exactly, it's like yeah. Everything's coming up roses. Like out of the show, it's a big happy hip song, and everybody's Let the Sunshine. But when you watch it in Hair, you're like, oh my god, that's what it's about. <laughs> <sighs> <laughs> and you leave with your fucking tears streaming down your face like it's a mm-hmm. they're begging you to please for god's sake everything's so terrible let the sunshine in please yeah please From-
1: let's all stop being such horrible people oh. and yeah it's actually a double they do um age of aquarius and then that goes into let the sunshine in so it's uh both of those and um just in case you were wondering Marilyn McCoo has left the group as of this point she was the only one that went on to be recognizable as a solo artist uh, because she co-hosted solid gold, which was like the syndicated music, pop music kind of program. Like, you know, your with, n- with American Madam band the, stand
0: huh? with Madam the puppet. Yeah. On it for some reason. <laughs> yeah. We should watch a
1: solid gold episode sometime Jeez. with Waylon Flowers and Madam. Good Lord. Uh, but yeah, the fifth dimension is still technically an active group. It's just been a fr- It's become a franchise like, like the Supremes or whatever. It's just a revolving door of talent and all that, but they do do a little bit of let the sunshine in and then they do snap dance, which is a clearly more modern eighties song. It's an attempt of them to get their foot in the pop music MTV culture.
0: It's fine. It's, it's a perfectly fine song. Very eighties and uh and they're okay it says on their i am deep or on their wikipedia page my favorite line of anybody i looked up it said um like like it has their history like up in um time periods yeah and then it goes like 1995 90s to today and it says um the fifth dimension has resigned itself to being on the nostalgia circuit and it's like oh Oh, bless their hearts. Wow. <laughs> They've resigned themselves. <laughs> wow. But, uh, bless.
1: It is interesting when you think of it, because the fifth dimension, it was, I believe there were five of them, or four, four or five of them. But their whole thing was, they weren't doing, like, the edgiest thing they did was let the sun shine in, was that. I mean, they were kind of a, even though they're all African-American, they were doing kind of the Um, I believe it's adult contemporary, like that's where you, you didn't find them in the soul or the R and B or the pop sections of the record store. They always were kind of like, they, they were in the bin with Barbara Streisand
0: middle of the road.
1: Yeah. So it's kind of like, yeah, you were kind of on the nostalgia circuit before you even were nostalgia. That was the, the, the groove you kind of carved out for yourself. If I'm remembering them correctly,
0: if, if I could be wrong.
1: God I don't knows. remember
0: them at all. So you're remembering them better than I am, <laughs> David.
1: Well, we've had the 50s for Chubby Checker, the 60s for The Fifth Dimension. So let's move on to the 70s, Matthew. And
0: Do we have to, David? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to quote my notes here. Uh-huh. 70s ELO no idea I got nothing Oh um, the ELO like I it's it's a cult to me it's people that like the ELO or people like me who have no fucking idea what it is and again if you said name a song by ELO I'd be like I don't even can't even tell you what ELO is
1: ELO did the music for the movie Xanadu
0: Oh for okay. sake!
1: So yeah, that's probably their most popular thing. So before we leave ELO, um, we do have dancing. Uh, oh, oh, and with the dancers. Remember I was saying they're in the different periods. Their dances are all dressed like Saturday Night Fever here. They're all in their Tony Manero. Um, the introduction, this is a good example. For people who haven't actually watched the show, this is a really good example of the writing in the script of how we introduced ELO. So... They're just talking and someone says, well, we got to get onto the next act, PDQ. And Scott Valentine says, pretty darn quick. And they said, that's right, because we want to introduce ELO. And he goes, Electric Light Orchestra? And he goes, yep, and they're A-OK. And he goes, and that's uh, A-OK. So you think I could get a job as a translator at the UN? <laughs> that's the level of humor. So that's why we're not spending a lot of time on them so then and seinfeld yeah well kim and mindy are scoping out the boys before that but then sometimes the acts introduce the things like like elo introduces jerry seinfeld yeah
0: and uh who is 30 and doing jokes about cub scouts in high school again Mm -hmm. and uh, again it's like I wouldn't even, I I mean, I guess you're you're writing for your gig and Jerry, more power to you, you're one of the most powerful comedians in the world so, and I'm doing a podcast for eight people, so I get it (laughs) I get it, and I'm not again, I'm fully aware of the irony dear listeners, of my armchair critic over here, but oh, it's just painful. To, and it's not that it's painful to watch, it's very 80s stand up. It's very 80s stand up. It's very stand up of its time. Stand up has changed over the yeah. years.
1: So then, introducing the next bit is the four hosts again. Now, when we pair them off, usually do you notice they have paired off Kim Fields and Malcolm Jamal Warner? and Mindy Conan, and Scott Valentine. We are, uh, there's a clear racial divide here, shall we say?
0: Well, it's but either that or boy, boy, girl, girl. I guess. Hot. Yeah.
1: But now in this case, the four of them are standing together and it looks like the boys have their arms around the girls, but we have swapped partners. And it's like, oh, good. So they're all fucking each other. That makes me feel better. Yeah. Um, so, uh Now we get to using words like recording star and do words like legend. What does that say to you? And it's like, well, we're not talking about me. I think it's Scott has gets the the dumb guy punchline again. Oh no, no. Uh, The moment we are waiting for ladies and gentlemen, if you do not watch any of this special (laughs) pop into the YouTube video around 46 minutes, because you need to see music legend, Brenda Lee. Holy
0: shit. David.
1: I mean, okay, tell me what, what you want to say about her. I'm fascinated.
0: Okay, you know how, okay. You know how it was always a little bit jarring to see, like on the Emmy Awards, when the Golden Girls would show up and Estelle Getty would be there with her actual red hair. Mm-hmm. I wrote down it looks like Estelle Getty was drunk and wandering around a party <laughs> after the Emmy Awards. <laughs> I shit, not? she's just hobbling around like looking lost and singing I'm sorry. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so sorry. Oh, it's
0: just this sad woman who looks like she's in her 70s, dressed like she's in her 70s, walking around, and she's... And, but but did you look up? How old is she? My God, David. At the time of filming, she was 41. <laughs> 41.
1: I looked it up, too. My notes, I shit you not. I put... Put glasses on her. She is Estelle Getty at the Emmys. I shit you not. That is exactly what I did. Because first of all, she's tiny. I looked her up. She is four foot nine.
0: Four foot nine. She's legally a little person.
1: Tiny. Uh, she's got this uh, this Houston, we have a problem. Teased up hair
0: wig. Wig, David. That was not attached to her head. You don't think so? No. Okay. That was not her hair. I paused it and looked real close. Yeah.
1: (laughs) It was um, because remember, Brenda Lee was more of a country Western singer who happened to have some pop tunes. She's a Southern lady. This is a higher, the hair, closer to God teased up. She belongs in church. Like she looks like a televangelist wife, I think is what Steve said when he saw her, but That's just it. And she's wearing this blue sequin dress with big wide shoulder pad. It looks like, like Nell Carter's mini dress and they put it on her (laughs) because it looks so oversized and, and she has no shape. She is just this, she's just this big blue shape below the neck and this big red lollipop over the neck. It's so odd. And, I mean, not youthful. It's 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 a it's a royal blue dr- sequin. She looks she looks like a Bob Mackie garden
0: gnome. It's a it's like a Bob Mackie mother of the bride dress. It's, oh my god! And just I could I almost I had to look twice when I looked up her age. I could I, I, not believe too. she was. She looks and even in the close ups looks sixty five years old. She does. Which is how old Estelle Getty was in the 80s. Estelle
1: Getty was in her mid-60s playing an 80-year-old. But here's the thing. I did look up because I was like, well, if she's only 42 here, what the hell? She does sing uh, two songs. She sings two hearts while she's wandering aimlessly through the crowd. And then somebody helps grandma up to the platform.
0: Where they put her on a podium in the middle of... nobody Ocean. was like bitch is going to fall off of that there's nothing <laughs> for her to lean against there's nothing for her to hold on to oh I my would god be nervous about standing on that thing
1: it, I, thank you cool. yeah cool. when you we have a spotlight on your face you you get vertigo you lose mm-hmm. your your mo- um what am i trying to say your um equilibrium really easily yeah that's some scary Oof. shit uh so I did look her up, though, because I'm like, she, you know, of course, we mostly hear her on the radio now because of Rockin' Around the Christmas Tree, which was not a hit when she first recorded it, but it later took, picked up steam with all the radio playing all that. That was
0: 1958. She was 13 yeah, when she, she recorded it. She was a child star. Like she was like, like 11 or something when she recorded like, I'm sorry, or whatever. It was. Oh, holy shit. Yeah, she was a child star.
1: And star <laughs> being the operative word. It's like, when you do say, for how many times I'm like, what is she doing here? What is happening? I did look and it's like, Oh, in, uh, she was a huge recording artist Tons of hits in the late 50s and 60s. And between 1960 and 1962, she had nine consecutive top 10 Billboard Hot 100 hits. And that was a record for a female solo artist. And that record would not be broken until Madonna in 1986, later this year. Of this broadcast. So as of this recording, Brenda Lee still is a record-holding, record-setting, famous recording artist. And you're like, okay, I guess that's why you might include her. But (laughs) the biggest hit, though, was... I'm sorry. So sorry. And I mean, I guess we needed a slow dance in here somewhere. They couldn't all be high energy, but... (laughs) I'm so happy that you were as amused by her presence as I was oh my god I lived for it I, I'm with you please people if you watch nothing else watch Brenda Lee and then at the end catch the moment when they're doing the big finale the big free-for-all where they're all singing dancing in the street and she's on the stage bopping next to Kenny Loggins Yeah, who is six foot four by the way mm-hmm. so it's just this <laughs> Oh, my God. that That's so funny that we both were like Estelle Getty. It
0: looks exactly <laughs> like Estelle Getty at the Emmys. Mm. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. So after that, Kim and Mindy come back and talk about hairstyles and fashion, Hair Today Gone Tomorrow. And and you mentioned it earlier, Matthew, as did uh, a message I got from Tutti Fruity Peter B, who also had to <laughs> point this out in case we missed it. Mindy Cohn introduces... Boy George as her future husband. Yeah. (sighs) Oh, the things we didn't know back then.
0: But but didn't we, though? I know, really. Why'd they have to write that joke? Yeah. Like, to dissuade rumors that he was gay. You know, like, nobody didn't know that Boy George was gay. Nobody didn't know. We all
1: knew. Well, and- he did fess up to kind of swinging both ways—that right. you know, that by now gay later kind of a thing. Right, uh, but which was just
0: the fact that they had—they didn't have to write that joke about Chubby Checker. They didn't have to write that joke about anybody else. They had to write it because I will say the girls do seem legitimately excited about Boy George, mm-hmm. like, and they are in the front row awkwardly. Like they did, there was times when it's like, they didn't know they were on camera throughout this. Yeah. Where like after his performance, you see them like, like Mindy Cohn leans into Kim feels like we have to go, we have to go and like points like away. Like <laughs> I'm like, oh, well, that could have been edited out. <laughs> so anyway. Yeah.
1: So culture club is there with boy George. He doesn't have his long hair, no braids. Uh, Dancing in the crowd is Captain Hook and the Queen of Hearts from Alice in Wonderland. Um, And then at one point, uh, it cuts to Pinocchio dancing with a character who has a big beard. Who the hell was that? I didn't
0: recognize the character. Was it Geppetto? It was a dark beard. Oh, oh, um, it's the villain in um, Pinocchio. Oh, Stromboli. Stromboli, thank you. Yep. That's, that's totally
1: Stromboli. Stromboli. Okay, yep. cool. Wow, that is at fifty-two minutes twenty-one seconds. And the Keep, character I've n- I've never seen that character. Has that character ever been here in Florida
0: at Disney? Yeah, I mean, it's not wow. like anybody's walking in the park going out of the way. Mickey Stromboli's over there. <laughs> I mean, no wait line
1: for John Smith. I honestly. Matthew, I cannot remember the last time I watched Pinocchio. I I don't know if I've watched it as an adult ever. It if might
0: be difficult. I don't know how sentimental you are about the company, but it might be difficult to get through When You Wish Upon a Star. Oh, yeah. But anyways.
1: So then Malcolm and Scott uh, are checking out the girls going, she's a 10, mm. she's a six and then they start doing some dumb number wordplay, and they get to top 40. And who has a top 40 hit? The Bangles.
0: And they and, sing, If She Knew What She Wants. Yeah.
1: And Susanna Hoffs is only upstaged by her own eyeliner. My
0: God. The 80s. I mean, what, they're the Bangles. What you going do? They're they fine. The it's biggest- 80s Biggest girl group of the 80s, I guess, weren't they? Next to the
1: Go-Go's. I think Go-Go's might have been a little bit bigger, but um,
0: yeah, no, they're fine. All girl
1: group. There it is. It was fine. Um, Scott and Mindy introduced Paul Rodriguez, uh, which by the way, his show, AKA Pablo, that ran from March 6th to April 10th of 1984. (laughs) That's, that's a month people. It only ran a month, but other people who are on that show as members of his family, Hector Elizondo and a young child star to be Mario Lopez.
0: Mm. Uh Yep. So after Paul Rodriguez, uh, we have the fabulous Thunderbirds. Again, if you said name a song by the fabulous Thunderbirds, I'd be like, I don't even know what that is. I I, I don't. I didn't realize when I looked them up, and I saw the name Kim Wilson, I didn't even click on it. Cause I was like, well, I don't see a girl on the screen. So Kim Wilson is their lead singer and his name is Kim Wilson. Oh. And he looks like a central casting sent over a porn producer. No. <laughs> My thing is, I thought that they were one of the old groups.
1: Like I watched this. I was like, Oh, this is one of the contemporary groups. Really?
0: Because he looks 45. He's 35. Yeah. But he looks like a 48 year old dude doing karaoke at a bar. And then he's going to go film somebody for their porn debut, like in his (laughs) his apartment. The special
1: lost me here because I had never, ever heard of the Fabulous Thunderbirds. They sing a song called Tough Enough. And I'm like, okay, next. Hmm. What were you going to say next? I was like next Oingo Boingo. Oh, 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 not yet. We um, have the Minnie Mouse 1980s theme park number. Went
0: right past it. Oh, you did? I was like, oh, God, in the middle of this, they thought we need to kill for time. Let's have Minnie Mouse do a fucking number.
1: Yeah, a straight up theme park musical theater number from a show somewhere in the park with Minnie Mouse wearing a big baggy sweatshirt and a little yellow miniskirt and a string of pearls. And, you know, the big fluffy bow like a Cyndi Lauper thing. It's like Minnie Mouse is so hip and modern in how she dresses. And Mickey's in the back banging on a grand piano, but it's mostly a number for the dancers. And it's just, hey, Minnie Mouse, Minnie's cool. It's Minnie, Minnie Mouse. It's at one hour and seven minutes. And it's kind of like, okay, if you need a quintessential example of a cheesy theme park show, this is it. This is the type of thing you and I hope and pray we never are asked to do because we know you can't say no to any work that they offer you. Mm -mm. So then after that, we get...
0: Oingo Boingo. Oingo Boingo. (laughs) I know that name, but if you said, Matthew, name a song by Oingo Boingo, I would be like, "Ah, yeah, I got nothing.
1: They were cool because they kind of straddled the line of novelty music and pop music. Like, they would be on your Top 40 radio, but then they'd also be on Dr. Demento on Sunday night with one of their weirder songs. And you know who the lead singer is. Did you look that up? I looked it up. Were you surprised? I was
0: surprised. Like, I was
1: surprised. <laughs> who is the lead singer of Oingo Boingo? That cute little
0: ginger boy. Fucking Danny Elfman. Mm-hmm. I say. And he's a classic example. They need to show his, his picture to every young gay that thinks they are never going to get old and ugly. No, shit, no. Show them a picture of Danny Elfman no. at 25 and show him one today because he looks like the goddamn Crypt Keeper, which is appropriate <laughs> because he wrote the music for Tales from the Crypt. <laughs> <laughs> but this is, yeah, this is
1: what he did before he became a famous film score composer. And that all came about because Tim Burton... And uh, Paul Rubens were both fans of Oingo Boingo. So when they were making this little movie called Pee-wee's Big Adventure, they said, well, let's ask him if he'll score the movie. Well, who knew it was going to be popular? Cut to Tim Burton doing Batman, literally reviving the entire superhero movie genre with the Michael Keaton Batman. And now Danny Elfman's doing that score. And of course, Danny Elfman wrote, Uh, The music and the lyrics for Nightmare Before Christmas, and he sings the role of Jack Skellington. The acting is Chris Sarandon, but the singing of those, that's this guy here, this little, this adorable little ginger twink. I'm like, oh, hi. How are you? Yeah, look him up now yeah i i I won't that's i'm okay thank you but here's the deal it's a pop tune they do but when it gets to the chorus and the chords start getting weird this doom 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 when it gets to the chorus you're like oh i hear it because he's kind of known for weird like compositionally danny elfman's stuff is magnificently and beautifully weird and you hear it there you totally hear that influence um then we go from this modern uh, <laughs> the modern day Mozart of Danny Elfman to
0: the Righteous Brothers and I I wrote down nothing like having your grandparents show up at the party uh, dressed like
1: trying like they're trying to dress cool like the younger guys like oh you want to know
0: how old they were David how old were they both of them were 46 oh
1: Jesus Christ <laughs>
0: on the night they filmed this and they both look like two 60 year olds have been put in like letterman jackets like yeah they're gonna perform a song from greece or something
1: they're extras in the dance hall scene from cocoon exactly (laughs) yeah now they do um this is one where they're ending their song just as we get to them and then they sing a song called shake and uh Yeah, they're singing live. That's one thing I got to say about the old school acts. They're singing like Brenda Lee sang live. They sing live. um, And uh, as did Chubby Checker. But we're talking all the modern contemporary acts. They're all lip syncing recordings. So got to give them their props. And they're still in good voice. Uh, And this is the heavy, harder kind of soul and blues uh, vein that they Typically saying it, Unchained Melody being their big um, big hit, that's the anomaly among their, uh, their works as far as they weren't really known for soaring ballads, and yet that is kind of the one song that's identified with them. Did you know that, by the way? Yeah. Okay. Next, we have another highlight I highly recommend. If you're watching this, one hour and 18 minutes, you have not experienced this. If you have not seen... Adam Ant lip syncing his song called Goody Two Shoes. I think it's goody two shoes. Yeah. Oh my god.
0: Was he like the answer to Freddie Mercury? Was he like the poor man's Freddie? Because, like, again, if somebody said find Adam Ant in this picture, I'd be like, I don't know. I,
1: I would not
0: is. have known. He's he's super
1: cute. Um, but uh, he's dressed differently. He's wearing these uh, this tight leather jacket. It's kind of a 50s, you know, Marlon Brando inspired thing. But he's also wearing a white skirt panel thing over some white pants. He's got eyeliner on. He's one of those acts that was the kickback to the 50s. It's a very 50s sounding thing, like, like the stray cats yeah. or whatever. But the... Terrible lip syncing. Like he's not even trying. No. His physicality, his jumping and popping around the stage is so spastic and goes far beyond quirky. Far, far beyond quirky. And it's just like, how many rails of coke did you do backstage at the Magic Kingdom in at Disneyland before you went on to perform? Because it is insane. And and this is the moment when I turned to Steve and I was like, this is the same program where we just watched little Estelle Getty, Brenda Lee, saying, I'm sorry, right? This is the same show, because I think probably the the true gamut at one end of the spectrum was Brenda Lee. And at the other end, I'd say is Adam Ann, wouldn't you? Oh, Totally. Oh, and dancing in the audience, Donald and Daisy. We haven't seen them at all during this special. And this is fairly late in the show. Uh, yeah, as is the Captain Hook and the Queen of Hearts are also dancing with each
0: other. And uh, yeah. So Shanana shows up, David, and I was so excited because I was like, oh, is this, Bow- Is are we going to see Bowser? Yeah, yeah, Shanana, let's, Bowser, Bowser. And then I looked up Shanana and realized, oh, it's like Minudo. Mm-hmm. Yep. Do you know, Like, did you look up their Wikipedia page where it lists the members of Shauna There's like 50. Oh, God, yeah. No, it's a franchise. Shanana. Yeah, I didn't realize that. Bowser left the group in 83. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize. So, yeah, at this point, he's John
1: Bauman, co-host of the Match Game Hollywood Squares Hour. He's trying to be a game yeah. show TV personality
0: now. Well, they're performing. Couldn't tell you what they sang. Couldn't name a song by Shauna or anything. And... i started fast forwarding at this point david
1: oh i didn't um i didn't uh, i didn't log what they sang i didn't i forgot to write down what they sang too i don't think it's consequential to anybody yeah Na, of course hit the peak of their fame they already had their syndicated tv show in the 70s that was a little bit of a variety show and the whole funny thing was In the 70s, there was all the nostalgia for the 50s. So they leaned hard into that and did all 1950s music to the point where when they needed a band for the dance in the movie Grease, Sha Na Na is the band that's on the album. Rock and roll is here to stay. It will never die. And uh, they're great. They're great musicians. The trouble is they're probably all in their 30s, but they look like they're 50. Yeah. Because they have receding hairlines. The guy in the gold LeMay jacket and pants with the open shirt showing off his bare chest, who is bald, like literally cue ball hair on the sides and back only bald. Uh, it, it's a very weird thing. And the guy replacing Bowser doing the do di do do porn stash. Something yeah. you would never see in the 50s. Never, <laughs> never, never.
0: Porn stash. It was like he just left his um, contract with the village people. Yes. Yeah. And, and the gold lame guy, too, also looks like he could have been in, in the village people as well. Um, yeah. So the biggest star of the night, I'm guessing, he gets the closing spot, David. Mm-hmm. None other than. And I'm not mad at him. Kenny Loggins is not mm-hmm. difficult to look at. Nope. He is 38. The night they performed this So he is two years younger Or three years younger than Brenda (laughs) Lee
1: She looks like Um, his fucking grandmother
0: (laughs) So ouch Well he decided Um, to sing um, Danger Zone Which mm -hmm. was from Top Gun Which was released a week before this Aired So it makes me think That the people that were listening to him Sing this at that night had never heard that song before. Oh. I'm wondering if this was like the big debut of the song Danger Zone when he filmed it. Because obviously this wasn't shown live. Yeah. So like if the movie came out two weeks beforehand or a week before this movie, this aired, because this aired May 23rd and Top Gun came out like May 18th or something like that.
1: Wow. So those people are all... What the fuck is this? Thankfully, he then goes into footloose. Yeah. Oh, love it. Footloose. You, you gotta give him credit. Kenny Loggins, his his music is it's got a beat to it, it's got energy, but there's also a a guy drive to it. Like you get why men listen to Kenny Loggins
0: and because yeah, of because of Pooh Corner. Yeah. Is is that what it is? Back to the days of Christopher Robin.
1: I don't know that. I'm not familiar. You don't know
0: that song? No. But my favorite reference is, he says, um, after he's done performing, they gave him plenty of time. Mm-hmm. Um, he says, I want everybody to dance. I want this to be like Feet Across America. Because at the time, Hands Across America happened on May 25th, 1986, David. <gasps> Oh, my god! It was like about to happen. And do you remember the song? Hands across America. Oh, my God. It was like such a a wannabe. We are the world.
1: Uh, Oh, yeah.
0: And it didn't. And it just was. And it it didn't. It didn't really work. Did it? Like united we stand, divided we fall. Hands across America
1: Oh, it was awful <laughs> So though feet across Americas because he wants all of the kids To be dancing So they sing a free for all Big fucking finale Everybody on the stage Every stage All simulcast Confetti flying out of the Confetti canyons Dancing in the street Yeah and solos here and there. At one point, Boy George and Gloria Estefan are like riffing back and forth and have little solos together. I'm like, I wonder if Boy George and Gloria Estefan ever would have shared the stage at any other point in their careers. This could be kind of a landmark moment.
0: Hmm. I wondered if Brenda Lee and Boy George had ever (laughs) shared the stage. she She was on a different stage. She was
1: on the stage where Kenny Loggins was. Oof. And she she makes a little side comment to him off microphone, like they have a little laugh or whatever. But of course, you know, he has to lean down a couple of feet.
0: Like he, he basically has to squat down because he's a foot would, and a half taller. If I ever meet Kenny Loggins, I'm gonna be like, what did Brenda Lee say to you on <gasps> yes. that night? Because I bet yes. she was like, why the fuck am I here? <laughs> <laughs> Can you give me a ride home? <laughs>
1: i'm lost but they were close to the same age it's so ridiculous like i said she looks like she could be his not his mother his grandmother bless her heart and bless her heart bless her heart she's still out there she's still alive she's still out there still performing
0: still waddling around parties looking (laughs) looking for somebody to take her home but yeah, the first
1: image of her walking out, walking through the crowd, oh we, we just pulled up the video to look at something else. And it's like, yeah, the top of her hair is at the shoulders of most of the teens that she's navigating through. It is mm. so fucking, fucking ridiculous. Uh, and what a, a throwback. Seeing all the kids, all the cutaways of the kids dancing, dressed in their 80s. 80s. Best, all the teased up hair, the hairspray, the moose, the mullets on the boys, the skinny <laughs> neckties.
0: There was one scene where the, between the boys, I think it was the one where they were talking about when they were judging women. Like there was somebody behind them in a red jacket that looked like Susan Boyle, for God's <laughs> sake. And I was like, oh, my God, just because again nowadays that would not be filmed like that there would be a producer being like ugly person um we're gonna move you out of the shot here and we're gonna bring this pretty person up here to stand behind our star thank you and i know that may shock people but that's exactly what happens Mm -hmm. at the filming of like the american idol finales there are no ugly people in the front row (laughs) oh no 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 no
1: And you have said before that when we were watching the Mouseketeers at Walt Disney World, they they do not film guests. That doesn't happen. When you see the parades on Christmas and, and all those shows, those are a carefully curated audience that have been invited there. They are behind stanchions. They're separate from the people just chilling out in the park for the day. Uh, because, you know, getting people to sign releases and all that, that's
0: that's hairy nowadays. And even then, the way they're filmed, like the last time I watched the Disney Christmas Parade, David, I had to turn it off because I tried to count how long the camera shots were and the longest ones were less than a second. <laughs> yeah. It's like you watch it and you can't even blink. And I know I'm people think I'm exaggerating, but watch the most recent Disney... Um, Christmas parade, crowd shots, performance shots. It's all bang, 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 mm-hmm. bang, 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 bang. Camera shot, camera shot, camera shot, camera shot, camera shot. And it's like, I I, I was having a seizure. I couldn't watch it. I know I'm an old person, but Lord have mercy. So even if you do get to see yourself for a second, less than a second on screen, it's there are no ugly people (laughs) Let's make that clear and you've been costumed they handed you your fucking ears they handed you the t-shirt that you're gonna put Mm -hmm. on and the the disney whatever popcorn bucket we're selling at this point that's going over your shoulder and yeah so i loved seeing the the uncoordinated background people who were like surprised to see themselves on tv because that would not happen at all, man. yeah,
1: and and mm. the Jay Leno sequence. How many of the kids that he's walking through? They're all popping their heads and waving, yeah. kind of "woo, skinner yeah. you know. It's like they're like <laughs> making gang signs, and yeah. no, they're not. I'm I'm totally exaggerating here, but yeah, that the Jay Leno portion, which I also recommend people watch. What you see going on in the background—that is exactly why you don't just point a camera at a crowd. Of people and certainly not in the theme park, because that's what you're gonna get.
0: And certainly not on grad night. <laughs> good God, Becky. Yeah. But mm.
1: I had a great time with this. What a wonderful throwback to being a teenager in the 80s and being told by old people what I'm supposed to be listening to and appreciating musically. Uh this uh how many how many uh talkaholic chips does this get? I think out of out of five i'm i think this is a four and a half
0: four it's a four out of five for me for me it just because i'm not a 80s music fan or anything or 80s music group fan um the only saving grace was brenda lee so it was um i'm gonna say it, it was a one for me david oh. One. oh. sorry wow I'm sorry Damn. I, I could just give a shit Less about 80s music And mm-hmm. I'm sorry it's just that's Me that's a personal opinion No but <clears throat> no, you're entitled You are
1: absolutely entitled <laughs> And uh, you weren't listening to music in the 80s you were watching the facts Of life exactly From my crib Your, your crib
0: meaning like MTV cribs like no, the apartment you, you had when you were 30 or You've made that joke before And no I am watching it from my bassinet. Maybe I should say that from now on. I was watching it from my bassinet. Oh my god, David! Till next month. Until oh. next month,
1: Tootie Fruities. We hope you've enjoyed this. This is the extra powerhouse of entertainment that your uh, your uh, Patreon dollars buy you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Matthew's shaking his head like, oh, oh shit, crap. Yep. Sh- they should at least get dick pics or something. Not ours, but I mean. You know. <laughs>
1: well, I mean, I could just post them on the on feed, but yeah. Um, yeah. Tell us that. Would you like us? Would you like this to become just like a. a the Patreon could totally become like an old school Tumblr blog mm. where it's just curated porn, just like. Mm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If you want that Tutti fruities, let me know. But in the meantime, we thank you as always for supporting the show. And um, I, I love you. I love you too. And Matthew and I wish all of you a super fantastic uh, independence day, a lovely July, and we'll be back with you in August. Bye guys. Mm. Bye.
0: I, oh, God, don't ever put me saying that. <laughs> just, uh, just give us a bye. Bye. Goodbye. Jesus. Go away. Stop it! <laughs> damn, hanging up. I'm oh, hanging up. <laughs> oh, so? Uh, no. More about gel code. When the fourth. Don't you call in the. More importantly.